0: Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Weiss.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss, and we're going to be talking about intellectual property theft today. It is a hot topic that's kind of zooming around the world. The Internet's made it possible to steal intellectual property like never before. But before we get to our two guests, I'd like to chat with Lou, see what the hottest news is today on his end. Lou, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing good. I thought you forgot about me, actually. Uh, no, how you never. Doing? How you doing?
1: I'm doing fine. Great. Warm down here in Atlanta. You still have three feet of snow?
2: No, we have actually 74 degrees, and I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt today. This is the most unusual. This is the most unusual winter we've had in uh, you know decades. Uh, so that that being said, let me let me give you a little background of our uh, last show uh, last uh, last week, uh, where we had um, Brad Holcomb, who's the committee chair. For the Institute of Supply Management, otherwise known as ISM, and uh, we, we've had, we had some mixed uh, views on uh, the number, uh, the ISM number from uh, last month, February. Uh, it did go up. Uh, it went up into the range what I call nobody knows. It's 49.2. Uh, uh, so it's a, it's a guess, even though there are some interesting numbers like new orders, have gone up tremendously. Production's gone up tremendously. Employment has gone up tremendously. So I guess all in all, uh, being that I'm speaking for Brad Holcomb, it was a very interesting month, and the numbers are going in the right direction. Was that good? Did I do well on that, uh, Tim?
1: Perfect. Perfect. You'll be happy.
2: (laughs) Brad, if you're listening, listening, you've taught me well. Thank you. Um, The um, news alert. The news alert uh, for today is uh, a, a bit shocking. Uh, it was an issue started by the Department of Commerce uh, last July when four or five major U.S. companies, uh, U.S. Steel, Nucor, AK Steel, um, I think one or two others, filed a claim uh, with the Department of uh, uh, Commerce uh, regarding steel dumping in the United States. And uh, as of March 1, a few days ago, the Department of Commerce has imposed a preliminary uh, tariff against uh, six countries, Uh, and those countries are uh, Brazil, China, what a surprise, Japan, Korea, Russia, and the U.K. Now, every one of these companies were supposed to respond to questionnaires and uh, investigative uh, work from the Department of Commerce, and uh, the only one who didn't respond uh, was China. Again, a surprise. Uh, In any event, uh, the tariffs that they've imposed on certain types of steel products, which are more of the commodity grades, range anywhere from 2.0 you ready, hold on to your hats, to 266% against China, mostly because they were non-responsive to our request for information and uh, data on their, their costing of uh, raw materials that they ship into the United States. So they're being charged 266% uh, duty on steel, a certain uh, harmonized code, Products that are coming into the United States, which is, uh, I guess, a good thing that uh, we're trying to control the imports. But here's the problem, and I don't, I, I didn't read any of this in a document that they uh, submitted to the public, and that is that um, the companies that are buying steel products into for making products in this country and bringing it into this country and producing parts are buying those steel issuing uh, parts, having people employed, and if all of this goes through without some kind of uh, better thinking, uh, there's going to be lots of companies going out of business and millions of employees unemployed. So here they're trying to protect the industry and they're going to wind up getting people fired from the industries uh, that they're actually trying to protect. So um, I'm not for or against. uh, I'm just presenting what I see, and uh, I think that uh, somewhere along the line, somebody with uh, some finer smarts in the government need to really look at this and perhaps come up with either a better or different approach to dealing uh, with this very important uh, issue. So, And we do have on our website, mfgtalkradio.com, the full nine-page article. Uh, in the news section, which is right off our home page, uh, where you can uh, read it, print it, you know, make paper airplanes out of it, whatever you want to do with it. Uh, but it's uh, interesting, and if you're a manufacturer who is buying steel products, you better look at the harmonized codes. The list is there, there's several hundred. You better take a look and see what products could be fined anywhere from 2%. 266 and i would say the average is at least 35 40 percent so that said tim that's what's going on
1: that's uh pretty hot stuff those are some unbelievable tariffs today we're going to talk about intellectual property protecting it the theft of it and we're talking with two individuals drew greenblatt who's been on our show before Drew is owner and president of and steel wire products he's also vice chairman with the national association of of Manufacturer Small and Medium Manufacturers Group. Today he's wearing a third hat, and that happens to be that he is chairman of the National Alliance for Jobs and Innovation, an organization called, I believe it's called Naji N-A-J-I. He's also here with Rob McKenna. Rob is a partner at Oracle Carrington and Sutcliffe Limited Liability Partnership of Attorneys. He's co-chair of its public policy group from Washington State. He was the attorney general from 2005 to 2013, and president of the National Association of Attorneys General from 2011 to 2012. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Uh, Drew, let me go to you first and let you explain to the folks what NAJI
3: is. Sure. That stands for the National Alliance for Jobs and Innovation. And we are a uh, almost three-year-old or, uh, organization that's turned into a movement. We have 400 manufacturers have joined us. And we are coming together to make sure that American intellectual property rights are protected. This is critical for our nation and it's critical for our manufacturing base because the reason why we differentiate ourselves from our competition Mm -hmm. in other countries is because we have wonderful innovations, tremendous ideas that uh, so many smart people in our factories are coming up with. And unfortunately, other countries have a uh, propensity for up and stealing our great ideas and basically pirating them and uh, putting their name tag on it and then growing their company with our ideas. We have to stop that. And that's what this association's all about. And uh, we're thrilled that uh, manufacturing talk radio is going to be spotlighting uh, this movement. So,
1: so Rob, happy your to.
3: connection uh, –
1: Rob, your connection with uh, NAJI is what?
4: Well, I was uh, uh, asked to join the board of uh, NAJI in 2013 after I left office as Washington State Attorney General because I'd done a, a, a great deal of work on the issue of unfair competition, particularly intellectual property theft, when I served as Attorney General and as President of the National Association of Attorneys General. So I came onto the board as its president and worked with Chairman Greenblatt to uh, persuade my former colleagues, the AGs in America, to take steps like I took as AG, which included going after a foreign manufacturer that had been stealing uh, software, and uh, by not you know, properly licensing software, getting it for free, uh, competing unfairly with uh, a large American manufacturer. So. So that was uh, my mission when I came on board, and we ultimately had a total of nine states, a state attorneys general, bring those kinds of actions.
1: Rob, how prevalent is this across, uh, across the world?
4: it is highly prevalent uh, because uh, so much of manufacturing value is in the ip now and ip is highly uh, highly portable whether it's uh, you know a, a website image uh, a software code or a particular manufactured product design when i was uh, attorney general washington i visited many manufacturers in washington state and i was struck by how many stories I heard from companies that said their designs, their products were being copied, uh, their products were being counterfeited. Uh, There was really no manufacturer I visited who didn't have that kind of story. And then in Washington State where we have a lot of software companies, I heard similar stories from them about uh, their software being uh, stolen and uh, used without uh, licensing fees, uh, which then, of course, turns around and hurts the manufacturers who compete. With those companies that steal the software, so uh, it 's a very big problem uh, in our country and worldwide
2: so let me ask you a question. The uh, organization was started you have now four uh, four hundred companies uh, that are in, in the membership. you have nine states that are involved. Tell us what you 're doing uh, and, and I do know that you've you 've had some uh, recent successes and uh, so i 'd like to have our listeners understand that so that they know that there's help out there.
4: Well, perhaps I could give you an overview and then, uh, and then sure. Drew could uh, weigh in with his, his particular story and his experience. Uh, as an overview, we continue to encourage manufacturers to step forward with stories uh, about how their uh, designs and products have been stolen and counterfeited. Uh, We need them to come forward with uh, their own evidence, with their own experience so that we can package that evidence uh, and take it to state AGs who uh, might be able to go after the overseas company that's uh, stealing their products. So uh, that effort is underway, and it's it's really only limited by uh, the availability of companies that want to step up and have something done about the unfair competition they're facing.
2: Do you do this as uh, class actions or individual actions? Uh, Is there any cost involved to manufacturers who uh, want to step up and protect their property?
4: We've been pursuing these cases through the state attorneys general because the state AGs are responsible for enforcing their state's uh, unfair competition laws and their state consumer protection acts. And uh, it turns out that in most states, the consumer protection law doesn't just protect individual consumers, it also protects companies, uh, businesses large and small that are facing uh, unfair competition. So it's possible for a state AG to go after an overseas manufacturer that's stolen IP uh, for unfair competition under that state's consumer protection law. And that law carries with it significant penalties, uh, injunctive relief and, and other measures. And the beauty of it is there's no cost to a business or company that steps up and presents its evidence to, uh, to the state AGs. Other than the internal cost of putting the information together, the AGs represent the public interest. So they don't charge for uh, you know going after bad guys when they see the evidence brought to them.
2: How many cases uh, have you had in the three years that you're uh, been pursuing this?
4: We've had a total of nine. Uh, across mm-hmm. the country from Washington and California to uh Massachusetts to Kentucky, Louisiana and others besides. Uh we have uh, other cases that uh have uh, a few other cases that have been presented that are pending right now. Uh but we think we could do a lot more. Uh we think that uh now that the AGs understand that they have the power to tackle this kind of unfair competition. Uh, what all they need is uh, you know the detailed information from the victims uh, around which to build their case and you know like all prosecutors they're you know they're not uh, responsible for going out and finding the cases the cases need to come to them so we hope that manufacturers hearing this broadcast and and, and across the country will consider whether they've been victimized and might be interested in, in, in enlisting the aid of their state attorney general and at NAGI we can help them do that we can in, make the introductions we can help them understand what the case needs to look like and help them prepare it uh, at no cost to them.
2: uh, While we still have everybody's ear can you give us the URL URL address for them to make contact?
4: You bet they can contact us through at uh, www.naji.org and uh, on our website we have information about how to uh, put a case together and what that process looks like. We even uh, have a, a checklist that they can use to uh, to uh, guide them in putting the case together. And they can contact us by email if they want further guidance.
1: Drew, uh What's the vision for uh, Magi or Magi? Uh, you know, five years down the road, all 50 states, all 50 states attorneys general involved.
3: Precisely. We're trying to save manufacturing jobs in the USA. Our goal is to, uh, again, this is the purpose of us being on the show today, is hopefully we can identify a couple more factories that have been harmed. And Rob McKenna and his team will help advise so that we can get your local attorney general to uh, protect those factory workers. Your secret sauce, your intellectual property, in many, in, for many companies, is being stolen. And uh, this is unacceptable, and we gotta stop it. Uh, We're hoping that this becomes a common technique for attorney generals in the USA, and ultimately the federal government uh, picks up the the, you know you know the the uh, the baton here. But for right now, we want the state you know we need the state attorney generals to rally and help us. Uh, We have nine that have actually, as Rob was mentioning, that have actually. done good work for us on our behalf of factories throughout America uh, we want to get all 50 to do it uh, and we want this to become commonplace. we want each of the attorney generals to have lawyers full time all they're doing is this uh, task and then what's going to happen is throughout the world, they'll understand you can't steal American intellectual property uh, because it's a fruitless effort. You're going, to get, you're going to be tangling with the law in America, and uh, hopefully we could halt it or at least uh, minimize it. If we do, that would be a wonderful success. It'll save a lot of jobs.
1: Well, another concern is, for instance, you have a large OEM that goes to China to do their manufacturing, their assembly work over there. And China says to them, well, that's fine, but in order for you to do your assembly over here, you have to give us your second-tier contractors. We need to know the secret sauce that they're using. Uh, They ask you for an awful lot of information before you can start manufacturing. When does the United States step up and say, sorry, you're afraid secrets, we're not giving them up, and, you know, the OEMs are just going to have to get tough? Do you see that happening, or are we going to be exposed to this?
4: Well, this is a really key question, and it comes up in trade negotiations, of course, because protecting IP has become a bigger, bigger topic in negotiations over those trade agreements with China and, and uh, broader groups of nations. I think that uh, our OEMs are in a very difficult position when they're told uh, they can't have access to the Chinese market unless they give up their trade secrets, reveal source code for their software, et cetera. Uh, ultimately, they have to make a business decision uh, about the trade-offs involved. So we don't get to make the rules for China, but it seems to me that in our, you know, negotiations over trade and broader diplomatic negotiations. Uh, we ought to shift the conversation to an understanding that those kinds of demands by China uh, represent, uh, you know, an unfair trade practice, that they they represent the very kinds of uh, protectionism uh, that trade agreements are designed to prevent. So this this needs to become a much bigger topic uh, among nations, and uh, our manufacturers need the help of their countries to, to back them up on this. Let
2: me ask you a question. Uh, Did you hear the uh, news alert that we had at the beginning of the show? I did. Um, Okay. And one might look at those, and, again, I'm not in favor or against, but one might look at these uh, tariffs that the Department of uh, Commerce is looking to impose come May through July of this year might also be considered as unfair trade practices. Um,
4: yeah, that's any, a good point.
2: Any, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do, do you have any uh, immediate thought or response to that?
4: I think that's, I think that's worth uh, considering, and I think that it's worth considering whether uh, the unfair treatment of IP in some countries is a, a violation of existing treaties like the GATT. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we have all kinds of uh, agreements in place now that are designed to prohibit or prevent uh, unfair competition and, and protectionism. I think that uh, the U.S. Trade Representative and uh, the State Department, and more generally, uh, the United States government, needs to enforce those.
2: Well, that's true, and and I don't I don't know if I missed the point uh, as it relates to these tariffs that were, are now being imposed. And and my feeling about negotiation, and I don't want to sound like uh, Donald Trump, but. Um, Perhaps some of these things can be worked out better by uh, significant sit-down discussions and collaboration to discuss these problems. But to go ahead and and impose, like, the tariffs that they're talking about, there may be millions of people in this country negatively affected within the effort of them trying to do good. Well, I uh,
4: think think that's right, yes.
2: It's – it's almost like they haven't thought about the other side of the coin.
4: Yeah, very good point.
1: Uh, Drew, I want to go to you for just a moment. Is there anything that uh, NAGIE is doing or even the NAM in terms of talking to our legislators in Washington about trade secrets, protection of IP, how do we uh, give our OEM some kind of uh, assistance or firepower to To say to a foreign nation, I'm sorry, but
3: we're prevented by law from giving that up? Um, I I think that... uh the National Alliance for Jobs and Innovation is uh, supporting some trade secrets uh, legislation that's going through Congress right now. Um, I personally testified on its behalf. Uh, Senator Coons and Senator Hatch have been uh, sponsoring very productive legislation to stop trade secret theft. Uh, it's, uh, it's unbelievable when you think about what criminals can get away with so easily. Uh, our system is... Um, you know, really not uh, addressing uh, the problems of 2016 cyber topics, uh, downloading thousands of documents and, you know, quitting a job and then moving uh, to China or to another country or or even to another domestic uh, competitor with all that information. Uh, uh, stealing these trade secrets is very harmful to American companies. Uh, so that's something that uh, NAM. and and the National Alliance for Jobs and Innovation have been very supportive of, and we've testified on behalf of. Um, National Association of Manufacturers has a very robust uh, program uh, to protect intellectual property, as does the National Alliance for Jobs and Innovation. Um, You know, are we – are we getting our message out uh you know i think uh the 9 ags that uh, national alliance for jobs and innovation has put together um has been a, a great start remember we're less than 3 years old uh you know so it's it's a lot has been done in a short amount of time uh regarding uh, uh the federal government uh, they're asleep at the wheel uh you know they're AWOL. Um, we need uh We need the federal government to protect American manufacturing's intellectual property and right now uh we're not seeing uh significant uh defensive tactics being uh, used um, t- because millions of American jobs are at risk because of this uh you know not manning the walls like they should be.
2: Uh, Another point that uh, has come into the news as of recently, and I'd like to hear how this all plays into uh, what we're talking about here, Um, Apple and the FBI. Uh, Here they're defending their right not to give up their intellectual property. Um, This is going to play out in the courts probably forever uh what what's your thought on this uh, as it relates to your mission um
3: th- that's a that's a tough one there's a lot of uh cross currents here that uh is um very challenging i mean you know on one hand you have uh uh you want to catch the bad guys in San Bernardino and if it's on that iPhone Dear God, I want to see what's there because, you know, maybe there's the next World Trade Center behind it, you know.
0: Sure. Um,
3: so, you know, on one hand, I want to do that. On the other hand, um, you know, we we don't want to uh, open up some sort of back door so that uh, all of our iPhones are uh, opened up to uh, all kinds of nefarious entities. So uh, not not just the good guys. Uh, um, so this is a tough one. Uh, the NAJI nor NAM uh, has taken a position on the Apple matter because uh, there's a lot of uh, elements on that. And it's, uh, it, it, it is a – you can make a very strong case on both sides.
2: Well, Tim uh, came up with an interesting thought uh, yesterday in one of our uh, editorial discussions, and that is – what would happen if Apple decided to create a new division in France and sell Apple corporate U.S. to the Apple France division? And uh, now they're untouchable because uh, in France, uh, you know, the right of privacy is uh, sacrosanct, and uh, and the profits will stay over there. So that you got a double trouble problem, um, and we have no means of stopping companies from moving out of this country, which. Uh, That's a whole other topic. So uh, you can weave a web of uh, uh, these types of issues into a point where we're really hurting ourselves. So the question is, is there a way to negotiate our way out of all of these problems, international property theft, Uh, the FBI and Apple, which I agree with everything you said about that, and yet come to a conclusion where, our country is protected. It's a yeah, real problem. I, I, the the, yeah, I, I,
3: hear, I hear what you're saying. I think that's beyond the scope of what we are uh, really focused in on. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're focused in on, you know, Chinese or Indian or Thai or Brazilian companies, for example, just as examples that are uh, have no R&D department, have no engineers, have no uh, intellectual property and what they do is they go to trade shows or they observe on the internet uh, our uh, secret sauce, and they um, reverse engineer it, and they make it themselves, and they undercut us because, of course, they're not paying for PhD R&D uh, experts, and they're not paying for engineers, and they're not paying for uh, people to come up with uh, great ideas. Uh, and all they're doing is copying and mimicking. Um, that's that's the scope of what the National Alliance and Jobs of Innovation is all about, uh, and uh, you know that's what we're, you know, why we're burning the midnight oil trying to protect uh, these American factory workers in this way. So
2: no, we, you've, um, taken a, it,
3: you've taken a very interesting approach
1: that it's the state attorney general rather than the federal government to attack this problem. I find it interesting, and I, I relate back to some of Drew's comments in earlier shows where the federal government is AWOL on a lot of these issues. I kind of think they're driving the, com- the country forward looking in the rearview mirror I mean, they created the Internet as ARPANET way back when, and and yet they're 10 years behind the times on laws for IP. Uh, Was it your work as Attorney General that triggered your thinking that it ought to be the state doing this action rather than the federal government?
4: Well, actually, it uh, it was, and my uh, own thinking was crystallized not only by my experiences with manufacturers and software companies in Washington State, but by a particular case that was brought to my attention by a a big software company uh, here in Washington that uh, approached me with evidence that their software, millions of dollars of their software, was being used without uh, uh, payment uh, by a, a Brazilian manufacturer. Uh, So we looked into it, and uh, we we reviewed the evidence that was presented to us. It it was quite clear to us that this is exactly what was happening. Uh, And so I then considered the statutes that I had at my command and my my jurisdiction and realized that, uh, you know, it's clearly unfair competition. It's unfair and deceptive. For a company to steal another company's i p in order in order to compete with a third company uh, so that that 's what we found happening we uh, We sent uh, a series of letters putting pressure on that Brazilian company um, after I left office. My successor uh, sent uh, one last uh, demand letter that was finally honored uh, uh, within a few months of my leaving office that resulted in this Brazilian company paying millions in software licensing fees so Uh, You know, sometimes it takes a little creativity, and and, uh, getting the state AGs involved uh, was and is a a very creative and productive idea. The way I express it is this. The the federal government is like the U.S. marshal. It's great to have the marshal on the case, but uh, the AGs are like like the sheriffs. It's even better to have the marshal and and 50 state sheriffs uh, going after the bad actors.
1: And how did you manage to get a foreign entity uh, in Brazil, to uh, write a check. Uh, I didn't realize the state attorneys general had that kind of power.
4: Well, the way uh, we uh, pressured them successfully was to threaten to go to court in Washington State to block access to Washington State markets for their products. And that's the uh, basic approach that uh, all of the AGs have taken uh, when they've sent demand letters uh, or filed lawsuits. They've said, uh, you know, under our state consumer protection laws that protect fair competition, uh, it's possible for a court to issue, you know, injunctive relief, uh, to, you know, to take actions, not just to try to assess fines. Uh, and these companies are all companies selling into the United States, and uh, they – you know, did not want to lose access to the U.S. markets. Uh, so when putting these cases together, uh, it's important and valuable for the manufacturer that we're working with, or the software company, to show where the products are being sold by the foreign company into the U.S. and in what states are they selling, because that tells us where our, uh, our points of leverage are.
1: Well, excellent approach. We're going to take a quick commercial break here, and then we're going to be back uh, with this very interesting topic and two terrific guests on intellectual property theft after a few words from our sponsors.
0: Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back.
2: American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778.
0: All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, Stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290.
5: How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery you can easily find that local machine shop national distributor oem or any supplier having the right quality certification fast and free you can even get to specific products components or downloadable 3d cad drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line.
0: Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with Drew Greenblatt, who's chairman of the National Alliance for Jobs and Innovation, and Rob McKenna, a partner at ORC, Harrington and Sutcliffe in uh, the state of Washington and former Washington State Attorney General. Drew, I just want to go to you for a moment on the National Alliance for Jobs and Innovation. Is there more that NAJI does beyond pursuing intellectual property theft issues?
3: Uh, we, we also focus on, uh, state, f- uh, um, you know, s- uh, uh, trade secret topics, uh, not just, uh, intellectual property, but also trade secrets within an organization. Uh, we, um, a- are also, uh, uh helping with cybercrime topics as well, but we're trying to be, uh, very focused, uh, and very laser, uh, focused on what, uh, Is critical um, and we don't want to go into spaces where uh, other people, other uh, entities, other associations are doing an admirable job. We're trying to cover an area where it's kind of uh, ignored or lightly covered by uh, other entities. Uh, So we're really single-minded focused on protecting intellectual property rights of uh, American factories.
1: Well, that's great, and for the listeners of our show, we certainly encourage you to send a note to your corporate counsel and suggest to them that they listen to the show, that they get a hold of NAJI.org, and at least have a conversation with these folks if they think any of their intellectual property has been stolen or is being misused by a third party, and then they can uh, certainly get some help. I'm, I'm fascinated, Rob, that it's coming through the state attorneys general Uh, where all of this activity is taking place and not at the federal level, I think that would be the normal expectation of someone, is that it's going to be the federal government that's here to help.
4: And that's not the
1: case. (laughs)
4: Yeah, you know, I, I, the feds do go after uh, cases involving stolen uh, IP. We, in fact, we collaborate at naji with the National Intellectual Property Rights Center uh, in uh, Northern Virginia, and they're a great partner. So they, they do a lot. They they focus on uh, seizing pirated goods at our, our nation's ports, for example, but uh, they, they can't do it all. And, uh, you know, finding a way to employ the... And, you know, investigative and law enforcement uh, resources of our AGs is uh, is just a really important adjunct to what the feds are trying to do. And clearly looking at where that
1: other entity is selling the products into what state is a trigger point that you've discovered in your nine cases. That's a very clever approach as well.
4: It, it, it's important because we need the AGs to see they have jurisdiction and they have leverage, uh, that they have the legal authority to go after a particular company, but also, uh, you know, based on the evidence, but also that they can do something about the case when they get it. That's why it's so important for manufacturers to step up and contact <coughs> us if they see their products being uh, stolen or their, their intellectual property being stolen, their products being counterfeited. Uh, Because without without the case information, we can't uh, can't engage the state AGs. I
3: I did want to stress one other element to this, uh, Tim and Lou, is that uh, you should ask one question, how much do we charge for this service? And I can fast forward you, the answer is zero. Uh, The nine entities that we were describing before, we don't charge, National Alliance for Jobs and Innovation is not charging for this service. Uh, We are doing this as a pro bono uh, to help assist Manufacturers thrive and survive in these troubling times So it's it's we're going to need assistance compiling the case developing all the evidence uh, But not but there's no you know money going to NAJI Uh, the National Alliance for Jobs Innovation matter of fact doesn't charge for dues either Uh, so uh, we would like manufacturers to join but most importantly, we would like uh, manufacturers that have been harmed to step up and with us, reach out to us, so that we can um, help you and protect these American jobs. Uh,
2: at that point, I would suggest you also give us the URL again uh, for those who've joined us in late.
3: Sure, it's it's the www.naji.org. Naji.org. And, you know, just so you know, on the top of our Web page, the top right hand corner of our Web page, there's a blue button that says join Najee. And uh, we welcome American factories to join. Again, it's free. And there's a red button and it says report IP theft. So if you have been infringed, if your intellectual property has been stolen, you've had trade secret issues, we want to know about it so we can come to your aid. We want to protect American jobs. There's another
1: aspect to this, Rob, that uh, I I just want to see if I'm right on this point. If I'm taking my case to NAGIE and they're taking it to the state attorney general and the state attorney general takes action against another party, it sounds like I'm out of the uh, line of fire of counterclaims, which often happen in lawsuits. And now I'm not on offense. I'm on defense. And I'm spending money trying to protect myself from myself, it sounds like. Is that the case where this is a really good approach because it's the state taking action and not me personally in the court of law?
4: Well, that's exactly right. That's a very, very good insight. And the reason that, that it works that way is that the AG is not representing the company that's been ripped off. The AG is representing the public interest. Uh, and is enforcing his state's competition laws uh, in the interest of the public in that state. So uh, you're right, that is a real advantage, and uh, the, uh, the corollary advantage, of course, is that the state AG has a lot of resources and, uh, and, and, and the sort of weight of authority on her side or his side. So lots of advantages uh, when the AG steps in to enforce, uh, enforce these laws.
1: Now, Rob, you've gone through nine cases. Can you give our listeners a couple of examples of what those cases, without naming names, what those cases were about? And, and oh. So that maybe some of our listeners can go, oh, you know, I've got something like that.
4: Well, I'll mention uh, some cases that have been highly publicized uh, and people can read, read about them. They can also read about these cases and examples on our website, NAGI.org. Uh, in Massachusetts, the Attorney General went after a, a seafood manufacturer in Thailand that was uh, unfairly competing with stolen uh, software and, uh, and undercutting uh, seafood production in the Northeast. By doing that, means they were reducing their costs significantly by stealing software instead of paying for it. And this sort of underscores the importance of software and other forms of IP at all kinds of manufacturing. She brought a lawsuit, uh, the Attorney General of Massachusetts, Martha Coakley, brought a lawsuit that resulted in a settlement. Uh, in which the the Thai seafood company agreed to pay licensing fees to uh, properly license its software and uh, uh, paid a penalty uh, that would help deter it from this kind of activity in the future. In California, the Attorney General there, uh, Kamala Harris, brought a lawsuit against a Chinese apparel manufacturer and uh, and also an Indian apparel manufacturer uh, again for using unlicensed software from several different companies and uh, at least one of those cases uh, has settled now with an agreement to become property licensed and, and pay fines. In other, in other instances, it wasn't necessary to bring a lawsuit. Uh, in uh, Tennessee, for example, Attorney General Cooper brought a law, brought, or sent a letter uh, without bringing a lawsuit to uh, the manufacturer of automobile tires in Thailand and, uh, and reached a favorable settlement there where they agreed to become compliant, stop stealing uh, IP, uh, so you know these, these examples don't always involve litigation. Sometimes it's the threat of litigation, uh, which is sufficient to encourage a foreign, foreign company to uh, get right with the law.
1: And, Rob, the case in Massachusetts, was that company selling their software and it got stolen, or were they using their software to operate their business and it got stolen?
4: It can happen both ways. Uh, you know, sometimes companies will buy a few copies but then load the software on thousands of computers. Uh, and, of course, the licenses on a, are on a per-computer basis typically. Or they might obtain the software by other means, not pay for it at all. So it can really, it can really depend. Um, and, you know, stolen IP can take a lot of other forms as well. It could be that your product uh, has been uh, counterfeited. Uh, it could be that your website designs are being stolen or other materials uh, that make it look like the overseas company's products or your products uh, can be involved so um, we're, we're you know we in, in the nine cases we all ha- we we happen to have some kind of th- software theft because we were able to document that really clearly but we're not limited to any one kind of IP theft
1: well it's interesting because that you mentioned uh, product counterfeiting because I have Two computer mice on my desk both useless uh, both represented to be original equipment with the original uh, um, toggle that went into the mouse that hooks to the PC that I bought uh, on a very popular online website and it turns out they came in uh, blank packaging nothing on it screamed original equipment Uh, it wasn't even labeled but nonetheless, the consumer is taking a hit on this as well. They're buying things that they believe to be original equipment, and they're clearly not. Is that also the case that you're experiencing uh, with these manufacturers?
4: It can be, yes. Uh, I don't know if any of our particular cases involve uh, you know, stolen equipment, but that is certainly a, an example of way, the way that a foreign company can cut corners to compete with American manufacturers.
1: Yeah, it certainly happens, uh, I think, quite a bit. And we've had uh, Dr. Adriana Sanford on our show, who's also talked about uh, that same kind of counterfeiting, which is very big. Uh, Drew, what do you see coming down the road in the not-too-distant future? Have you got some uh, other people who are interested in joining the organization? Any? And I know you can't talk about lawsuits in the works, but do you have uh, something in the works where this uh, is beginning to catch
3: on, and how can we help? Well, we're, we're looking for not only uh, uh, small members but uh, also uh, big members to join the cause. Uh, we're, we're a good uh, avenue for um, uh, you know, entities, uh, as, as Rob so eloquently described, to, to have cover and, and we could be uh, the element that pursues uh, vigorously uh, protecting your interests. So we are uh, a very good um, method so that – because, you know, most companies are not, you know, sophisticated with intellectual property rights and attorney generals and, you know, we can help. And uh, that's, that's where we could really assist. So, to answer your question, yes, we have a couple we have many small members uh, getting ready to join uh We've gone from zero to four hundred in less than three years. Uh, we have several large members uh joining uh, we have uh, um, some litigations that we're working on right now and, and Rob is uh spearheading and and uh, making sure that uh, they're done in a very effective and efficient way so that the uh, companies can um, You know rely on the local AG to to do the heavy lifting and uh, I think it's it's a very exciting time for uh, improving the uh, climate for intellectual property rights because we've been beaten down for so long and this has been an issue that has not been addressed and and now we're really shining a light on this.
2: Uh, Drew In some of our conversations that we had prior to the show, and uh, Tim just threw it out there also, I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but anything that we could do as Manufacturing Talk Radio uh, to help pursue uh, your uh, mission and and, uh, goals, Uh, let's talk about this with our producer at uh, some point when you've got some free time, and let's come up with some ideas where we might be able to help and make a difference
3: yeah we really that. appreciate that offer and we really are, are thrilled that you're uh protecting uh, American manufacturing and how uh how how zealously you're you're protecting our interests and uh you know we're one piece of that uh, you guys are protecting us on uh, other fronts as well uh uh we're we're trying to uh, work hard to get the intellectual property rights element fixed, uh, but we appreciate you uh, shining a spotlight on all these different areas that we uh, we as manufacturers need to to grow and thrive. In, uh, you know, in the next uh, century year.
2: That's, that's excellent, and uh, we we will support you any way we can.
3: Uh, Rob, just a quick
1: question. As a small manufacturer, and I may not have corporate counsel on staff, do I need an attorney to move forward with uh, a a violation that I I think has suffered?
4: No, you don't. Um, We put resources on the NAGI website that will guide uh, any manufacturer in understanding what kinds of information they need to put together. It's a checklist of items they'll need to Uh, informational items they'll need to to take to a state AG and uh, at NAGI we can make the introduction for the manufacturer to the AG's office. I'm happy to call my former colleague uh, and and their staff to to set that up Uh, so they don't have to have an attorney. The attorney general's office will have their own lawyers there who will analyze the case under their state's particular law. So uh, we don't want, uh, you know, the availability or lack of uh, availability of attorney resources for a company to hold it back.
1: And also, I'm assuming that unless I want this or it somehow becomes public, that it's pretty much handled with confidentiality. Is that right?
4: Exactly right, yes.
1: Great. I think that's important for the I know there are a lot of small companies out there who probably really don't know how to protect their intellectual property, and we certainly would encourage them to get a hold of NAJI.org or join the organization and learn more about it, because that, clearly what you're doing is a terrific public service. Um, we uh, want to encourage you. I would like to talk to you folks offline about uh, some public service announcements, because we can swatch uh, in some time here on the show so that we keep the name out there and make some noise about it. Um, Drew, I want to thank you for being on the show. You've been on several of our shows on a number of different topics. Uh, just to kind of wrap up this one, is there anything else that you'd like to cover with our listeners about what
3: uh, NAJI is doing? Uh, I think, I think we, we hammered it pretty good. Uh, you know, the bottom line is there's factories out in, the, in, in America where they're trying to make a living. They're trying to do the right thing. They're following all the rules and then a company overseas picks up uh, one of their devices or developments or pieces of equipment and they just pirate it and they just steal from them and then they start making it for cheaper because they didn't have to have a PhD come up with the idea or an engineer come up with the idea they didn't have to deal with patents and copyrights and they just charge ahead and they're selling it and dumping it in into uh, the American consumer market, without, uh, you know, paying you. And because of that, that's harming you. And because of that, your your company's getting less sales. We're speaking to you. We encourage you to reach out to us, and for free, we'll consult with you, and we will tee you up with the local uh, AG, Attorney General, so that we can protect your factory and protect your workers. We look forward to working with uh, many companies that uh, hear us today, and uh, we know there's a lot of them out there, unfortunately, and we're going to beat this problem, uh, and we just got to get the word out that the cavalry is here to protect you.
2: Well said. Well said. Love the cavalry.
3: <clears throat> uh, Rob, uh, how about you? Anything else
1: that you want to share with our listeners about what NAGI is doing and and uh, or Nadji uh, and you know how they should get involved or be involved?
4: well we'd we'd love to have uh, the involvement of manufacturers as members there's no cost at all to uh, to join you NAGI know, and be one of the four hundred uh, members, most of whom are, are manufacturing companies There's strength in numbers, and uh, American manufacturing voices are heard more loudly the, the more people take the time to to sign up. That allows you to receive our emails and uh, be aware of the programs that we put on uh, and uh at the same time, any manufacturer that has a story about stolen, uh, you know, intellectual property having its, its ideas, its trade secrets ripped off, can come forward to Nagi. So we hope people will consider that as well, because frankly, until we, until we start seeing the law enforced against uh, this kind of theft, uh, it will continue to run rampant and uh, really put American companies and their employees at a big disadvantage.
1: And Rob, what kind of things fall under the umbrella of intellectual property?
4: Well, it can include uh, trade secrets, uh, copyrights, trademarks, patents, uh, you know, d- designs, manufacturing processes. The designs can be of the products themselves. It can be the d- the pictures or images of the of the products on the website. So uh, really, it's, it's what people uh, what they think it is. It's, it's not narrow. It's broad. And uh, if in doubt, come to Nagi, and we'll help uh, we'll help you figure it out.
1: Well, that's great. I want to thank both of you gentlemen for being on the show. Drew, thank you for joining us again uh, with your third hat on on a new topic. Uh, We really appreciate you being on the
3: show. Wonderful. Thank you again. We're thrilled you're putting the spotlight on this very important issue. You're going to create – you're going to save a lot of American jobs because there's going to be people that are going to reach out to us, and we're going to go to bat for them, and we're going to protect those companies.
4: We we look forward to to helping you.
1: Rob, we appreciate your expertise as well in supporting this very important topic. Thanks for being on the show with us today. Thank you.
2: Okay, uh, next week we are going to have Cliff Waldman, Senior Economist and Council Director at Manufacturers Alliance for Productivity and Innovation, otherwise known as MAPI. And uh, Cliff has been on with us, and he will be giving us the uh, next uh the, the forecast for the year um that we do have uh brad holcomb from ism who gives us all the information about what happened last month and may tells us what's going to happen going into the future so it's always an interesting uh conversation and uh we really get delve into the numbers and uh, uh if you're a numbers kind of person in your organization uh you ought to tune in and listen to it at ManufacturingTalkRadio.com. And, Tim, back to you. Well,
1: Lou, I thought that was a fascinating conversation with both Drew and Rob. That uh, oh, I, yeah. I had no idea that it's the state attorney general that seems to be the dog with the big teeth. Uh,
2: it seems as though not only they have the big teeth, but they also have the big interest. And, you know, uh, there I go picking on Washington. They may not have all of the... Uh, heavy-duty pulling that they used to have, and uh, it takes maybe the local guys to jump in and do the dirty deed.
1: No, that's excellent. I was also pleased to hear that if I have a case and I take it to them, not only is it mostly confidential unless it happens to become public because it's a big deal, then I'm not necessarily subject to counterclaims where now I have to defend myself.
2: Yeah, which is always uh, the risk in uh, normal civil business uh, court cases in the United States. We are always subject to the what's coming around the other side of the barn. Uh, so this is uh, really neat, and I would highly suggest uh, that anyone uh, of our listeners to definitely go to www.naji.org. And uh, hit the red button, uh, hit the blue button, and then hit the red button if you have a cause. So on that note, uh, Tim, back I to you, and it, we'll see you next week.
1: We're, we are certainly going to have an interesting conversation next week from the folks with uh, Mayfi. Tune in then to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We appreciate being with you today, and we'll talk to you again soon.
0: Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.